are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on foxsports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Great, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing good, my man. I'm doing good. Now I'm going to call 334-321-1390. That'll put you through to On the Line. Find Lance and I on Twitter at Point Gardner at Daw Pound. Airing on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama as well as on Facebook. You can watch the show on Radio Alabama Sports, ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages. Lance, we've got some news out there. TJ Finley opting to transfer to Auburn, the LSU quarterback now donning the orange and blue. Yeah, that's right. He picked the Tigers over, I believe it was Penn State, Houston, and Alabama were his final three outside of Auburn. Really surprising, you know, considering those are some illustrious programs there outside of uh, maybe Houston, but you could you could argue that they've been pretty good in the, in the past few years. But yeah, six foot six, 240-pound quarterback out of Louisiana State, 941 passing yards last season, five touchdowns, five picks, was two and three as a starter, of course, Every Auburn fan should remember that that game he had against the Tigers uh, in late October. It was a uh, it was not a good it was not a good performance by Finley to say the least. But he he definitely has some things that he can bring to this quarterback room. Uh, but but as far as starting job is concerned, I think that's a little bit of a ways away for Finley. Yeah, you bring up that Auburn game, and I think that's what gives Auburn fans a lot of reservation as you look back to that performance in the Tiger Bowl this past year in Jordan-Hare Stadium. And it was an ugly one. It was honestly his worst game of his season at LSU. Another area that I think it gives Auburn fans concerns is that to me, when I look at this situation in Baton Rouge, I feel like he finished third in the quarterback battle or worse. Nussmeyer's still there. I think Nussmeyer didn't have a chance to win the job in Baton Rouge. I think it was a three-quarterback race. They really just kind of talked about Nussmeyer as this odd man out. He never really felt like he was the man in contention for the job in Baton Rouge and this quarterback battle going on that Ed Orgeron has been forced to talk about throughout the spring. You look at Max Johnson and Miles Brennan, they're still there. They're still competing and T.J. Finley's the guy leaving. He's the third-best quarterback out of that room. We've seen all three of these quarterbacks. I think that gives some folks pause out there. This seems to be a pretty polarizing issue in the Auburn community. Some folks want Finley to come and take the job from Bo Nix outright. Others didn't want to have anything to do with this. Yeah, that's right. As far as LSU's quarterback job is concerned right now, you know, you're right. It's actually something that we talked about a little bit before Finley actually announced his transfer like announced the fact that he was transferring just a few weeks ago is that, you know, I thought I still think Mac Johnson's the guy for LSU. I think he's going to get that starting job. I know Miles Brennan was playing really well through those first three games before he went down with an injury last season in 2020. But I think Mac Johnson's the guy. And there's a couple of reasons for that. And I think the first is his dual threat ability. I think he's a better fit for this offense at LSU. That being said, we all thought that TJ, like you just said, was the third best quarterback in that room moving forward. And it, to no surprise, he decided to transfer. As far as you talking about him being a polarizing figure, I completely agree. I think Bo Nix has definitely got to, got to run, run, run for this competition. He's got to be able to throw everything he's got at this at this new system. I, you know, some people might say that uh, I've heard some rumors. Some people might be saying that he's he's really comfortable in this new offense. He's focused and he's having fun. And I've heard there's some speculation Nick's might be a dark horse for the Heisman, but he's going to have to beat out <laughs> TJ Finley first. I think this guy showed some promise last season at LSU, but Nick's is going to have to get to that finish line first to be able to be the starting guy. I think this is a really good thing for Auburn in this quarterback room because I'm not leaning necessarily towards Finley starting, but I think he can definitely give Knicks a run for his money. And in the end, I think that gives us a polished SEC quarterback, whoever gets to start. Talking about the Heisman stuff, I just want to pump the brakes there for a moment just because some folks out there that aren't on Twitter, you know, Lance, only like 3% 
of the United States population is on Twitter. Really? Yeah. Wow. I thought it was I, I thought it was way more than that. Fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure it's only like three percent of the United States population is on Twitter. And folks out there that don't know what you're talking about with the Heisman thing, it's a meme. It's on Twitter. It was circulating during the spring game. This could be Bo Nix's year. Just have to catch people up to date before they think you're some psychopath on the radio saying that Bo Nix could win the Heisman this year. Just want to clarify. <laughs> Just want to clarify. That was a joke, but. Going back to T.J. Finley coming to Auburn, I think this is a good thing for Auburn. I I talked about this a lot last week, even stretching all the way back to two Fridays ago when we had Jeremy Law on the show. I don't think you can construe this as a negative. If T.J. Finley wins the job over Bo Nix, well, Bo Nix wasn't good enough, and T.J. Finley was. Right. So that's don't even worry about that. If that happens, then he was good enough to win the job. This coaching staff is not going to put – an inferior quarterback out on the field in their first season. They understand how important first impressions are and how important this season is to installing their culture and having a disappointing season in 2021 is not the way to start the Brian Harson tenure. They're going to put the best quarterback out there. Now that we've got that understood, I don't actually believe that TJ Finley is going to overtake Bo Nix in this quarterback battle. You just look at the two quarterbacks. Let me ask you this question. If TJ Finley was wearing orange and blue last year, does Auburn go six and five? No, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Look at the competition that Finley played. So the three games that he lost were against Alabama, Texas A&M, and Auburn. In that Alabama game, he was 50% passing for one touchdown, no interceptions. That A&M looked game, pretty good in that Alabama game, right? Might it, I add, pretty pretty decent. That A&M game, nine of 25 for 118 yards and two picks. That <laughs> Auburn game, 13 of 24 for 143 yards, two picks, and everybody forgets about that fumble. So he's played really, really bad against decent competition. Who are the two teams that he beat? He beat Arkansas and he beat South Carolina. He beat Arkansas, South Carolina. Those were the two teams that he was able to beat. If you're telling me that TJ Finley would have been better for Auburn last season or he would have been better for Auburn this season, I don't think that's an accurate claim to make. So the reason why I ask you that question is because I don't actually believe he's going to come here and take the job from Bo Nix. I don't believe that he's a better quarterback than Bo Nix. But that does not mean that this isn't a good addition for Auburn. Auburn needs depth at the quarterback position. We've talked about this all throughout the spring. We've talked about this when we've been mentioning where Auburn should go in the transfer portal. You and I have been wondering where are all the offensive players at? Why is Auburn signing all these defensive players? They need help at quarterback. Grant Loy is not the answer if Bo Nix were to go down with an injury. TJ Finley at least keeps you in the realm of possibility that you can go to a bowl game if Bo Nix goes down with an injury. Grant Lloyd does not. I have not seen that out of him as a quarterback. Now, Demetrius Davis, maybe he could give you maybe he could give you quality snaps to get you to a bowl game. I liked what we saw in the spring game of Demetrius Davis. But at the end of the day, TJ Finley provides you depth at a position you sorely needed it. And as you've already mentioned, he could come in the spring and at least give Bo Nick some competition to make him have to work harder, make him have to up his game. Competition's a great thing. It's a great thing. It pushes businesses to be better. It pushes athletes to be better. You have to up your game or else somebody's going to take your job. And as I already mentioned, if TJ Finley's good enough to take Bo Nix's job, well, be our guest, right? Right, right. If you're gonna if you're gonna come into this program and say, I think I can beat Bo Nix out, proceed to beat him out and prove that you're a better quarterback than him, at least in the offseason, I think a lot of Auburn fans would be happy with that. I think they'd say, sure, go ahead. If you are a better quarterback, at least in practice, than Bo Nix is, we'll take you. I think something that gets lost in this is well, if TJ Finley's being talked about potentially taking the starting job, why isn't Demetrius Davis being talked about at all? Where does he end up in this quarterback? Well, he depth was chart? for a little while. So he was for a little bit. But now that T.J. Finley has come in, the question is is whether or not D- Demetrius Davis is going to transfer as if he's not better or as good as T.J. Finley. 100%. I love that you bring that up. I love that you bring back up what we talked about in the early months of 2021 where everybody wanted to talk about Demetrius Davis being able to overtake Bo Nix, or not everybody, but a, I would say a loud minority out there. I shouldn't say everybody. I should give folks more credit than that. But There was a loud minority of folks that wanted to talk about Demetrius Davis being ready to overtake Bo Nix, and I would 
say that those people were more just insanely upset with Bo Nix's performance at this point. Nothing against Demetrius Davis, but I don't think the freshman is ready. If you didn't think that Bo Nix was ready as a freshman, you're not going to think that Demetrius Davis is ready as a freshman. So for me, I love that you brought that up because that was just a flash in the pan thing during the offseason. That was like a two-week-long discussion, right? Right. This too will pass. I agree. I agree. That's what I was about to say. Is I think I think a lot of people are gonna gonna receive this news. Like you said, it's a very polarizing thing for T.J. Finley to transfer to Auburn. The fact that he did commit to Auburn is still really shocking to me because I think he could have gone and at least he could have won the job at Houston. He could have competed with Sean Clifford at Penn State. Definitely at Penn State. And then he would have been a fifth string quarterback at Alabama. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding <laughs> well, it's possible. It's possible. But I, I think out of all of his so options, Ty Simpson coming in at Alabama. Bryce Young's there for the at least this season I know he can make the job but but I think as far as Demetrius Davis and Finley are concerned I think there's going to be a battle for that two spot and I was talking earlier about a race I think Bonix is going to get to that finish line first I think he is definitively the starting quarterback it's just how he how he competes in that race and he finishes will be interesting but I think it's going to be a battle for that two spot between Finley and, and Davis and I'm just saying I'm just saying like you said after two weeks it's going to pass for that one spot I think Demetrius Davis is going to pan out to be a better quarterback than Finley. Not saying not saying that Finley is terrible. I'm just saying I see a lot more upside of Demetrius Davis now that we've gotten to see Finley actually out on the field and competing against legitimate SEC competition. The other side of this, Finley won't get on campus until June, July, until we're getting near fall camp, right? Right. Bo Nix has been here at least for the spring now it is a new offense but he's at least been there for the spring installment for at least being around these coaches and building those relationships and building these re these relationships with wide receivers not just the coaches as well so Bo Nix is already ahead of TJ Finley in this race for the starting quarterback position he's the incumbent already which is hard to overtake in anything it's hard to overtake an incumbent but now he's also got the leg up and that he's been in the system for at least a couple months more. Mm-hmm. That means something to me. TJ Finley not only has to overcome, in my opinion, a development gap as a quarterback, because I already believe Bo Nix is a better quarterback, but on top of that, he now has to overcome the fact that Bo Nix is in front of him by months in a new system and in terms of relationships with his coaching staff and with fellow football players. It's a hard job for TJ Finley to come in and win this locker room over the guy who's been around these players now for two and a half years. I think a good way to look at it is you remember when Brian Harson was saying he's going to try and put Bo Nix in a pressure cooker I think this is just trying to turn the pressure up a little bit to see if he can make something out of Bo Nix it's a beautiful point I think he's just trying to bring another guy in and I I think like you uh Levi and I were talking about this on uh, just on the show last week we think like hey uh, that's exactly what he was doing with Grant Loy. I think that was the reason why we were saying like, oh, well, maybe Grant Loy will be able to take a few snaps as a backup quarterback. That definitely didn't pan out. We've seen how Loy has panned out. Bring in a legitimate SEC starting quarterback to compete for your your starting job. I think that's going to make Bo Nix not worried, but it's going to make him actually have to go out there and practice and put everything he's got into this battle. And I think he's going to come out on top because I think he's the much better quarterback. But it's another way to apply pressure to Bo Nix to make him turn into the legitimate five-star quarterback that he was coming out of high school. Number to call, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on TJ Finley coming to Auburn? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What's on your mind about it? TJ Finley opting to transfer to Auburn announced his decision to commit to the Tigers today. Once again, 334-321-1390. Find us on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Doll Pound. Question to you that we talked about off-air before we got into the show. When we were going through show prep, what does... TJ Finley bring to the table that Bo Nix doesn't. So we were talking about comparing these two quarterbacks, and I would argue that Bo Nix is the more athletic quarterback. I would argue that he is the more polished passer of the two. More accurate quarterback. More accurate quarterback statistically. The only thing that TJ Finley brings to this quarterback room is strength in size six foot six 240 pounds it's a defensive end with an arm he's a defensive end with that can throw a football accurately <laughs> and you know 
outside of that, there are not a lot of things that he can do better than Bo Nix. We talked about, well, is he mobile? Would we want him in some goal line situations or in some kind of wildcat package to maybe have some quarterback draws or, or, or keep the defense on their heels as far as short yardage situation goes? I think you put go. him in for that. I think you do, but we were talking about his ability to do anything outside of that mobility-wise. It's like, no, nah, I think Bo Nix is the faster quarterback. I'd rather have him out there oh, on yeah. the read option. He's not Cam Newton. so No, he's 6'6", 242. He had 29 rush attempts last year for 34 yards and one touchdown. 1.2 average. I would not qualify that as a rushing threat. No, I would not. I would not at all. And Bo Nix, on the other hand, you know, he's not necessarily been the best dual threat in the world. He's not Nick Marshall, but he's able to get around the edge. He's We saw it in that LSU game multiple times where he would scramble. He would just find a lane. What about the Texas A&M game? The Texas A&M game. That was game. a very people Johnny Manziel-like play. Should have been wearing number it. two in Garnett. That's right. I don't think TJ Finley's equipped for that. So as far as what he could potentially bring, I think he's got the ability to 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 polish his passing ability. There were some mechanical issues that I, I saw in his throwing motion last season he really winds up whenever he goes to throw and I don't like that I like quick releases out of my quarterbacks and you know Bonix said you can talk about his mechanical issues all you want I think yeah I like both of my quarterbacks I I like my quarterbacks to have both of their feet on the ground when they throw the ball not off their back it'd be pretty nice but (laughs) as far as quarterback play goes right now I think Bonix in almost every single category outside of just size, uh, has has Finley beat. Now again, talking about potential, I think Finley's got potential to to turn into a Ben Roethlisberger type of pocket passer. Maybe turn into it's a great comparison in terms of size. Yeah, just kind of turn into that that statue in the pocket that can throw lasers. He has a really really strong arm. Again, really really big dude. So I think he's got potential in that area, but I don't know if that's the direction this offense wants to go. I think right now it's more suited for a guy like Knicks. If I showed you a picture of Ben Roethlisberger and TJ Finley throwing a football side by side, they're actually they're actually pretty pretty similar. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So there's <laughs> that's there's what happens though when you're six foot five, two forty one, and your name is Ben Roethlisberger, and then you got TJ Finley who's six foot six, two forty two according to his ESPN page. So they're right they're right next to each other. There and you go. Their throwing mechanics are going to be very similar. I like that comparison. The Ben Roethlisberger comparison's a good one. I agree with you. I had a hard time thinking of things that he brings that Bo Nix doesn't already have because Bo Nix is a dual threat quarterback. He showed that. I think he's at his best when he is running the football consistently in the Auburn offense. But... TJ Finley, you would think, now Ben Roethlisberger is not the poster child of this, especially late in his career, but you would think someone that's six foot six, two forty two is more durable than someone who is of Bo Nix's stature. But you're right. Size, strength, the ability to drive a football. If you're six foot six, two forty two, you have to be able to throw the ball hard. I can't believe if you wouldn't be able to. Somewhere deep down inside you, you have arm strength, I'm sure, if you're that big of a human being. That's NFL size. NFL teams will drool over this. I wouldn't be shocked if TJ Finley, if he doesn't finish his career at Auburn, like if he doesn't take a snap at Auburn, maybe he transfers somewhere else. Maybe things don't work out for him here. He's still got four years of eligibility. Five if he takes a red shirt. He could be on a football team for five more years. This guy could be in college for six years. So even if things don't work out at Auburn and maybe he ends up somewhere else, I, you know, if he takes starting snaps again in college football, I would not be shocked if an NFL team drafts him just based off of his size alone. Not highly, but I would not be shocked if, if an NFL team drafts him on size alone. Yeah, I agree. If Auburn doesn't shift to a more pro style offense this season, I'm sure if he transfers somewhere else, he'll go somewhere that offers that. He kind of reminds me as well. He reminds me a little bit of Joe Milton at Michigan. Just that really, really tall quarterback, able to throw the ball, got a lot of arm strength. I think he would be well. Joe Milton su- can move, though. I think he 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 can. I think he would be well suited to play in a in in, in a scheme like Michigan's or in a scheme like LSU's of the past. I think he would have done really really well in that 2013 to 2016 era of LSU football, where it was a very very pro style offense. Those are bold words, though, my friend. There weren't many quarterbacks that did do well in those systems. <laughs> that is true. That is true. I think he. I think he would have. I think he wouldn't have been great. I think he would have survived. I think he. If you're comparing those systems to the one that he would be trying to get into at Auburn, I think you could make the argument that he would survive better in a scheme that's more pro oriented because again that dual threat quarterback or dual threat ability comes into play I think Nix has definitely got him beat there on the other side of this break Richard Fitz earns SEC pitcher of the week hey Auburn got a pitcher of the week what do you wow. know wow we'll be back on the other side of this break 
Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. We got Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us now for our Monday afternoon. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? Hey, guys, what's going on? Uh, I'm actually out sick today, Noah. You gave me a call about three minutes ago, and I found out I'm on the show. So I hope I can uh, bring you some insight on things that I've learned from inside of the house today. That's right. And, and you know, I texted you earlier, my man. I, I texted you earlier, but I understand you're out sick today, and I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us. It's always good to talk with our resident Alabama correspondent. Read an article today on Alabama 247 talking about Bryce Young having this renewed confidence as a quarterback, or maybe it's reached another level. You really like this quarterback a lot in Tuscaloosa. It's talking season. It's the off season. Tell me why you love this quarterback so much. Well, in, in the name of talking season, you talk about Bryce Young. I think he's the first or second highest rated recruit that Alabama has ever landed. And, you know, maybe his confidence does take a tad bit of a hit last year. He comes in, he thinks he can compete for the job. And I think early on he probably did. But I think you found out why he didn't win the job. Because Mac Jones was the best quarterback in college football last year, at least from a statistical standpoint. Maybe only, in my opinion, probably only behind Trevor Lawrence when it comes to true quarterback talent last year. So Bryce Young goes into his freshman year, thinks he has a real chance to start, and I heard it was close. I think that speaks to how good Bryce Young was. But now Bryce Young goes into this offseason, spins off a little pressure from Paul Tyson. Jalen Milrow looked good. But since last season, since the end of the Alabama and Ohio State national title game, Bryce Young knew this was his job, and I think he's been preparing for it all offseason. I think he's very comfortable around Bill O'Brien. I think that he loves that Ajayi Hall has emerged as a legitimate number one receiver, although he still has Mechie and Baker and Holden, uh, tight ends galore. So I think that Bryce Young feels really confident. And let's not forget about how well Alabama is recruited along the offensive line. I know you like to say that, if Bo Nix was at Alabama playing behind Alabama's offensive line, he's a lot better. Well, Bryce Young's going to be a lot better because of those big boys up front, talent galore up there. I think Bryce Young has the opportunity over the next two years to potentially be the best overall quarterback of the Nick Saban era, running, throwing, decision-making, the whole nine yards. And I think that you're going to see a calm, cool, and collected Bryce Young right off the bat when he gets his first start against Miami. The only position group that you didn't mention there on the offensive side of the ball was the running back room, and that's something I've been meaning to ask you about. You know, Najee Harris, obviously a Heisman finalist last season. Who do the Tide turn to this year to kind of be their bell cow back? Is it Brian Robinson Jr.'s time to shine? Yeah, listen, it's Brian, Ro- Brian Robinson's going to be the guy that walks onto the field first. But I think if you've learned anything from the Nick Saban era outside of maybe Derrick Henry's year where he won the Heisman and you still had Kenyon Drake who came off an injury from the year before, you're going to see a, a mix at running back. And I think Nick Saban does it for the guys to have good pro careers. I think he also understands, and if you look at Auburn over the Gus Malzahn tenure, your, your, your main running back banged up in Auburn towards the end of the year almost every single year on Johnson finished the season on half a leg. So for, from a, just from a pure running back perspective, I think you say B-Rob's number one, but then you have your pick behind him. Tons of guys, Jace McMillan, Kamar Wheaton's coming in to number one or two running back. And the running back depth is, I mean, probably deeper than receiver. Um, and I think the offensive line makes those guys look a lot better as well. This running back room reminds me a little bit of that backfield that had Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, and then a really, really young Najee Harris as well. And it ended up being that Damian Harris emerged as the NFL caliber running back more immediately than Najee Harris. Of course, we all saw what Najee Harris did last year. I think he's possibly the best running back we've ever seen at, at Alabama. Who is the guy out of this backfield that one day emerges as a future NFL talent out of the backfield? Well, I think Brad Robinson will be a day-two pick, probably um, the 39th, 40th pick next year. I think he's going to have an explosive year. He's big, fast, and strong. He's just got to learn to hang on to the football, which is something that Najee Harris all, always did. He never fumbled. 
And when you're talking about the value of a possession in the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers have to love what they're getting from Najee Harris. But um, out of that group, man, Jace McMillan had flashes last year. But I think Kamar Wheaton is bringing you a little bit of not the Najee Harris athleticism, but I think he's bringing you a mix of a Mark Ingram and a Derrick Henry, just a guy that you know that can catch the football, but he can you can also rely on him in between the tackles. I think over the next four or five years, and Kamar Wheaton's probably only doing three in Tuscaloosa, has a great opportunity. But Brian Robinson's going to be on an NFL roster in what year? What is next year? 2022 probably? He'll probably be on an NFL roster. Speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports about some Alabama football here in the offseason. I'm sure you saw the T.J. Finley news today selecting Auburn. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, oh, we caught a lot of heat on the show I co-hosted with you, Noah. <laughs> I guess uh, Travis and, and Trill may actually like this because it's from a school that he's actually heard of. So maybe those guys will call in today. Um, listen, it's just an added depth. Auburn needed quarterback depth. I'm not sure how much QB depth that Alabama needed with Paul Tyson and Jalen Milrow, although those guys have really no experience in college football behind Bryce Young. But Auburn needed some depth, and they needed somebody who could push Bo Nix a little bit. Not to push Bo Nix to say this guy's going to come in and compete with Bo Nix, but it's always good to have pressure at your job, Noah. It's always good to have somebody coming up behind you to motivate you a little more. And we talked about it last week. If if Bo Nix gets hurt, you're in a world of trouble. And if Brian Harson is the quarterback coach, the quarterback guru, the talent finder that everybody keeps telling me he is, maybe he can turn T.J. Finley, who I believe was the number 399th overall player coming out of high school, maybe he can turn T.J. Finley into a serviceable game-managing quarterback to win a few games in case something did ever happen to Bo Nix. You know, you talked about Alabama's depth at the quarterback position with guys like Paul Tyson, and so my question to you is, obviously Alabama, one of T.J. Finley's final four as far as where he was picking to transfer. Can you explain at all why Alabama would have gone after this kid? I mean, they seem pretty set uh, moving forward at the quarterback spot. Listen, if you just look at a numbers perspective, I'm not really sure how many – Guys, could Alabama actually take T.J. Finley? Would they be willing to take T.J. Finley over a possible transfer over the summer? Did they call T.J. Finley? Did they text him? Did they say, yeah, we could have a spot for you here? Because he started SEC game, and I think there is a very there is a high amount of value in that, that T.J. Finley has played in the SEC West. He looked okay against Alabama, but I think that was his first start, and Alabama had no tape. Then he followed it up the next week with, a performance that he probably wants to forget against Auburn. But I'm not sure why Alabama would go after T.J. Finley. I don't think they need T.J. Finley. And I think, and from what T.J. Finley has said, I think T.J. Finley thinks he can compete and possibly win the job at Auburn. Noah and I both think that that's a little crazy, far-fetched, but uh, T.J. Finley might actually believe that. Alabama baseball now getting into the Alabama NCAA tournament picture kind of on the bubble at the moment with only 12 13 wins in conference play 10 seed in the SEC tournament taking on a tough South Carolina team that's how deep this SEC was especially the SEC East because South Carolina has won some games against some really good clubs you go back to that sweep over Florida who in my opinion could also still make it to Omaha even though they're a six seed in the SEC tournament Tough first-round matchup for Alabama. You think this is a must-win for Alabama to make it to the NCAA tournament, or do you think they're in? I think you'd like to have it under your belt, right? I think you'd like to win this game and, and, and help your odds. But, you're, I mean, you're right about this SEC. You're talking about Florida, who's fifth or sixth best in the league. They're, they're, you're, everybody thinks that they have a chance to make it to Omaha. You have the big boys at the top, your Arkansas and your old misses and and, you know, it's just one of – this is maybe even outside of football, maybe even including football, the SEC in baseball has just essentially just taken over the amount of talent that they have here. I think the coaches in this league are head and shoulders just like football over a lot of the other conferences. And going into this SEC baseball tournament, Alabama, they, they need to win a game. They need, they need to have a good showing. I think you take a deep breath if you do come out on top here. Um, but we'll see, and, and it's just the depth of the league. I mean, you throw Alabama, who I thought was, you know, I think they're pretty good. If you throw them in another conference, I mean, 
they're probably already locked in and ready to go into the postseason. Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us and talk today. Tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at I am J underscore law. Noah, let's make sure that we get some calls in here. I need some more TJ Finley meltdowns. I'm going to be listening <laughs> to the rest of the show from home. Well, I, I appreciate you throwing that out there. We need folks to talk about it. You know, we need we need some discourse about TJ Finley. My man, I hope you get better. Enjoy your day. Appreciate it, Noah. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us. Just so much to talk about here in this offseason, not just today, but also SEC baseball getting started and Hoover, Alabama on the on the fringe right now, looking back at their record. I mentioned them on the bubble. 29 and 22 overall, 12 and 17 in conference play. You brought up a graphic to me not so long ago. Percentage of teams with a certain amount of SEC wins. It was it was bracketed off in terms of how many SEC wins that you had and then what the percentage likelihood it was that those teams made the NCAA tournament. I know you're looking for it right now. Have you found it? I've not found it yet, but I can go ahead and tell you. Yes, so here it is. So if you have at least 12 wins in the SEC, you have a 13% chance to reach the tournament. If you have 13 wins, you've got a 36% chance. And if you have 14, you've got a 61% chance to actually make the SEC tournament. So Alabama right now... He said, "You, Jeremy said, you'd love to have those extra wins in the tournament, right? Well, I think you got to have them because 13% ain't good enough. This is a weird year, first of all. You have to bring that up. It's a weird year. This has been a strange season. You've had games canceled. Alabama played one game less. They had that game canceled against Vanderbilt. They would have loved to have been able to play it because if they were able to steal it, well, you're looking at this Alabama team in the NCAA tournament, I think. But Alabama still, I believe, with some work to be done. South Carolina going into this weekend or this tournament on Tuesday, tomorrow. That's when they play. I don't know why I said this weekend. Going into the SEC tournament. 33 and 20 overall, 16 and 14 in conference play. And that was only good enough for fourth in the SEC East. This team swept Florida earlier in the year. They've beaten some good teams. This is a deep South Carolina team that can't hit very well, but they can pitch very well. And this South Carolina team, they're going to throw their best against Alabama, I'm sure, and try and shut Alabama down early. If Alabama does not win this game, I don't know. You look at some of the other teams on the fringe right now in the SEC. LSU took the series against Alabama. They're 13-17. and They're more likely to get into the NCAA tournament than Alabama is right now. Georgia sitting at 13-17 and 17 in conference play, 30-23 and 23 overall. Both of those marks and both of those teams, I believe, will end up in the NCAA tournament before Alabama does. And then you're looking at Alabama and Kentucky as some other bubble teams. Kentucky at 12-18, and 18, Alabama at 12-17 and 17 in conference play. Identical overall records at 29-22. to 22. And I think that's about it for, for any SEC team hoping to get into the NCAA tournament on an at-large bid because Auburn's going to have to win this thing outright if they want to get in. Well, you're talking about teams that potentially would want these these opening games more than the others. As far as Alabama's concerned, you know, South Carolina's got those 16 wins. According to this graphic, they have a 100% chance to reach the NCAA tournament. They are already locked into the postseason. So if you're, if you're Alabama, you've got to want this a lot more than South Carolina does. And as far as LSU and Georgia are concerned, they play each other. And I think I think if you're if you're LSU right now, I think they've got a far more decent chance. After watching them play Auburn, I looked at this team. I was like, okay, they've got some legitimate players. Like if they if they can win a couple games in the SEC tournament, they they could be in a, they they could be a sneaky team heading into the tournament. And oh, how the trajectory of this Alabama season has changed on the baseball diamond, not having Connor Prelip at all this year. Man. Yeah, I mean, he had like two starts this season. He had that one against Auburn. And then I don't think we've seen him really pitch since then either. To not have Connor Prelip, this Alabama team has a 29 and 22 record. They're 12 and 17 in conference play, as I've already mentioned. They've beaten some teams, they've hung with some good teams. They are not a bad baseball team. If they have Connor Prelip, this team may be much closer to 500 in the SEC would have had a very good shot to win many more Friday night games than they did, or game ones in series, Thursday night games as well, if you will. And they would have had a very good shot of winning this game against South Carolina. But the problem is, Connor Prelip is not your starter. Now, Tyler Ross has been good for Alabama, but he's not elite like Connor Prelip has been in his short amount of time in Tuscaloosa. This is a very tough game because you're going against a South Carolina pitching staff that is elite, fourth in the SEC 
in ERA. And that is a hard thing to do because this is a this is a deep league. On the other side of this break, we talk about Julio Jones. He said something interesting about being out of Atlanta. We talk about that on the other side of this break, wrapping up hour number one. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Also watch us on Facebook. Find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Talked a lot of football today. Let's go back to baseball. Realistically, how many games can this Auburn team win in the SEC tournament now that we're here? Well, I think to answer your question, I think there's legitimately a chance that Auburn could win one game in the SEC tournament and the reason not I two. say that not two and the reason I say that is three straight seasons Auburn has won at least one game in the SEC tournament but throughout their entire history as a program they have never won four straight seasons they've never gone four straight seasons where they have won at least one game in the SEC tournament this is that fourth season so if they're going to break that trend I, I would say that they can legitimately win one game because history is on their side but Auburn's going to have to get through two legitimate opponents to actually do that. And so once they get to Vanderbilt, man, I just don't know. I just don't, I just don't know how far Auburn's going to be able to carry it, especially late. Auburn's 1-32 and 32 whenever they're down after seven or eight innings. 1-32 this season. Mm. Let me repeat. They've been, they've been down by one run. They've been up. Auburn, whenever they score, I believe they have less. First, I believe they have like a less than 500 record. I may be wrong on that. I'll have to go check. They are well, one. I mean, Auburn is less than 500. If, so. they, <laughs> if they are tied or losing by whatever amount, they are one in 32 this season when the oh. game's getting tight. Well, they couldn't be one in 32 because they're 25 and 26. So I think you might have to might, fact check that number. It may be over the last two seasons. Then no, I, I'm sorry. I was combining. I was combining stats earlier. Let's take a look. Let me let me take a look at the specific <laughs> two. Okay, I'm sorry. They are one and fourteen after seven. They're zero and eighteen after eight. I'm sorry. Let me restate. <laughs> That's where the math came in. There, there's the I arithmetic. Ex- for some reason, I added okay. them together in my head. <laughs> one and fourteen after seven. Zero and eighteen after eight. Regardless, they are terrible at the end of games. <laughs> Mo- doing part it to the. It feels bullpen. like one and thirty-two, right? It feels like it. That's right. Yep. That would actually be so impressive, though. If they were one in thirty-two to to see Auburn having what twenty-five games this year the other way, right? Right, right. <laughs> they would have been they would have been leading in a lot of games late. Looking at the bracket, Auburn eight p.m. game. If everything goes to schedule, which when does everything in baseball go to schedule, especially the SEC tournament? It seems it seems folly for the SEC to consistently year in a year out be like, yeah, this is going to work out on our TV schedule. We're going to get every game done in three hours. I say nay that will not happen but you know that would be funny you know let, let, let's see people call in what do you think the Auburn baseball game is going to start tomorrow w- will it start at eight do, do folks think that'll happen we're gonna start at 906 fresh <laughs> it's just to be like all right boys here we go eight o'clock is the approximate game time of tomorrow's game on SEC Network against Ole Miss 12-5 matchup if Auburn wins they advance to take on Vanderbilt the four seed to answer the question how many games do we think Auburn realistically can win Auburn is helped out by the fact that Hoagland is hurt so the best guy for Ole Miss can't go tomorrow but Ole Miss is still going to put their best available guy out there I'm sure just to try and go out there and get a win Auburn I don't think that there's a way that they play themselves into an at-large bid for the NCAA tournament despite the fact that theoretically if they were to win three games and lose out in the semifinals Auburn would be a 14 win SEC team and we've gone through that that graphic that you had earlier that's what I was looking for the graphic that you went through earlier where 63 percent of 14 win SEC teams make the NCAA tournament that's not happening because Auburn would be at 500 overall you gotta have a winning record and so Auburn's gonna have to win this whole thing if they're gonna make it to the NCAA tournament which I don't even want to think about that right now one could dream right but Auburn Ole Miss game one tomorrow 8 p.m. I think if Auburn does win that game you're gonna lose to Vanderbilt you lose to Vanderbilt you're into the double elimination round at that point, you could get, I, I think you could get LSU, you could get Georgia, or you could get Arkansas. And probably more likely that you get, I, I would say with the way LSU is playing right now, I think you could get Auburn LSU into that double elimination round. And at that point, with the way that those two teams 
have depleted their pitching staffs and the way that LSU is dealing with some injuries at the moment I think you could fathomably see Auburn win that but that's where the run ends so I would say realistically the most that I believe Auburn will win here realistically I don't think they will win too I have a hard time believing that Auburn's going to win tomorrow but if you had to put a max on it for Auburn to the SEC tournament the max that I will say is two for Auburn and they lose out I guess that would be in the semifinal round, right? Yep. That, that would be where Auburn would get to. So I, I think that's the max. If Auburn were to go on some type of special run and get elite pitching out of everybody and they brought the bats to the plate, were able to average like eight runs at the plate per game and get some pretty good pitching and actually not blow leads, then maybe i say max two. And then things things fall apart after that. Yeah, this this baseball team has the potential to be really, really good. It's just all season. It's either been luck or that bullpen. And this bullpen's kind of coming coming in its own over the past week or so. Something to note, and I did not I did not incorrectly add these numbers up. I, <laughs> I did not read them and combine eighteen and fourteen in my head and say thirty two. Butch Thompson in his tenure at Auburn is twenty eight and forty in May. But this season, Auburn's seven and five. Right now, they've got they they're 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 on a hot streak compared to their <laughs> overall record. They're winning, baby. Uh, but easier either, scheduled this May though than probably I was about most. To say, I was about to say, you know, you're playing two of the worst teams in the conference in A and M and Missouri. But that's beside the point. They're winning. Woohoo! But looking forward, to, you know, against against Ole Miss, like you mentioned uh, earlier in the first hour. Auburn played two really close games against the Rebels this season, and that was an away game. Five to six loss and a zero to one loss uh, before they lost 11 to 19 in that final matchup. But Auburn does have potential here. There's potential to go on a special run. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to not necessarily, like I've said in the past, lock it in. I say that about things way too often, but I w- I'm going to stick with one win. I think Auburn can, I think Auburn could beat Ole Miss, but I just don't, I just don't see them getting past Vanderbilt. And then after that, like but there's I said, potential. Yeah, and then after that, and I don't. There's potential for anybody to do it. So that's I. I don't think you and I are saying much when we say that there's potential there. I'm just trying to map out Auburn's max that they could go through the SEC tournament. I don't want people to think that I'm saying that Auburn will do that. But for the sake of the the question here, how deep could Auburn go? What's the max amount of games that we think Auburn could run through? I think it's fathomable to say two. Auburn took almost took two out of three against LSU they almost took two out of three against a lot of teams right Auburn showed the ability to to beat anybody on their schedule this year so now I ask you this question which is more important for Auburn in the SEC tournament then hitting or pitching I think it's got to be it's got to be pitching I think that's been the issue all season. I don't think it's been the defense. I don't think it's been the bats necessarily. I think it's been that bullpen. I've said that adamantly on this show before. I'll say it again. This bullpen has to play well like they've been playing over the past week or so in order for Auburn to win in the SEC tournament. It's the bullpen. There is no other answer, in my opinion. Well, I might go with another answer. I think Auburn's going to have to light it up at the plate if they're going to do that. If they're going to make it, two games deep like this or, or say that they win two games in the SEC tournament I think they're going to have to hit the ball really well and timely hitting has been a concern for Auburn this season you can look at the stats I don't think they tell the whole story Auburn's been a top four team in the league top two team in the league at times in terms of hitting statistics especially team batting average but we all know that timely hitting has been an issue for Auburn they can hit six solo shots in a ball game and still lose. I'm looking at that Texas A&M game, you know, from a couple of weeks ago. So my thing is, I think it's key for Auburn to have some timely hitting against these teams. You're facing some solid pitching in Vanderbilt in game two. And if you're going to have any shot of winning, you better bring the bats. For me, Auburn, I, I, I think there's a cap for Auburn's pitching staff, right? Like there's only so much we could hope for out of that, right? And maybe that's, only allowing five runs it's got to the point now where I look at a box score I'm like hey Auburn only gave up eight hits and five runs not too bad not too bad but if they don't score six they lose right the end of the day Auburn's going to have to hit well above their weight class against some really good pitchers through these first two games if they're going to make it I don't think we can rely I don't think Auburn can rely on pitching alone here and so when I say more important I I think I am going to say at the plate that's that's my perspective on it I totally understand though if Auburn can get lights out pitching from Jack Owen and Richard Fitz through the first two and not have to rely on the bullpen that much and maybe you get four or five runs out of it and you can hold those teams below that well 
that that would be great, right? But I don't think that's possible considering Vanderbilt's the best hitting team in the league and Ole Miss is the second best and those are your first two opponents. So I think I think you got to bring the bats. I think you do, but at the same time, I would much rather not get into an offensive shootout. I'd much rather try and rely on my pitchers to actually perform <laughs> and yeah. and do well. Something else to that would be nice. Is we we talked about double plays all this season. Auburn's actually still. They used to be first in the country. They're second in the country only by one in double plays. They've got fifty three this season. Fifty three double Who's plays. Who's number one? That's Arizona State. Well, we got to keep playing some baseball, man. I don't know how Arizona State's doing, but we got to have something, right? Yeah, that's for for sure, for sure. But I'm it, sure Arizona State. They're typically a pretty good baseball program. Jacob, do you know? You know what's going on with the Sun Devils in baseball? I believe the Pac-12. <laughs> I believe the, the Pac-12 fight. season is actually done. Arizona's clinched a spot in the NCAA tournament, but not Arizona State. Correct. So do, I, we'll find out selection Sunday. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Typically a good baseball program down there in Tempe, Arizona, though. And so, um, you know, I say that because we got to keep playing baseball. Auburn got to be number one in the country right now in double plays, right? If they get it, well, if Arizona State's not playing and Auburn is, they've got the opportunity certainly to do that against Ole Miss tomorrow. So That's right. There you go. But my point being is, again, I don't think – and I understand what you're saying about the bats. I understand that Auburn's going to have to be able to at least keep up with Ole Miss, one of the better batting teams in the league. But – it's not this defense. It's not this defense that's the issue to me. It's not even the bats. I think Ryan Bliss has been playing really well as a late. I'm very satisfied, even though Stephen Williams, you know, is out for the season after getting hit in the face. Uh, prayers for him. But I think, I think moving forward, it's got to be this pitching staff that continues to improve. They've they've shown potential at times this season, and they're starting to show it consistently, albeit against poor competition. But if they can do it against Ole Miss. I think they can do it against anybody, but they've just got to be able to, to to get better on the mound. You know, you guys just heard Jacob out there. You mentioned Ryan Bliss, Jacob resident, Auburn baseball super fan in the house, and he is incensed about Ryan Bliss's snub from the all-SEC first team at shortstop. That just That's not right. Not right at all. So, Jacob... We appreciate your thoughts on Arizona State. Sorry, man, we got to go to break. I was about to get you on Ryan Bliss. But on the other side of this break, we're going to talk about make or break factors for Vanderbilt football 2021. Continue that series along. Felt like it was fitting to talk about Vanderbilt on a Monday. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Only about four minutes left in the show. Let's take a listen to What's On TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On tonight on NBC at 7. It's part one of the live finale on The Voice over on ABC at 7. Catch Disney's Tangled. Some other movie selections for tonight. The Last Samurai is on Sundance at 6. Cowboys and Aliens is on Sci-Fi at 8. In live sports, playoffs rumble along in multiple major sports. The NBA playoffs have two games on TNT at 6.30. It's game two between the Miami Heat and the Milwaukee Bucks. At 9, the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets square off for game two. And the NHL get ready for a full slate at 6 on NBCSN. Game 5 of a tied series between the Islanders and the Penguins. At 7 on CNBC, the Lightning look to take the series in 5 against the Panthers. At 8.45 on NBCSN, the Jets look to sweep the Oilers. And at 9.30 on CNBC, the Golden Knights look to end the series against the Wild with a 3-1 lead. One MLB game is on ESPN at 7 with the St. Louis Cardinals at the Chicago White Sox. I'm Noah Gardner, and that's what's on TV tonight. It's been a fun show here on On the Line today. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl wrapping it up. We got about three minutes left, and then it'll be the drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck coming up at four from four to six, as they do every weekday here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on foxsports983.com and on Facebook. That's foxsports983.com. Some great articles going up there today. We got an Auburn baseball preview article coming up from our very own Jacob Hillman. He'll be putting that up in just a little bit to get you set for tomorrow's action in Hoover as Auburn will be taking on Ole Miss as well as I'll have an article up about Vanderbilt make or break factors, kind of what we were talking about in that previous segment as we go through that series tomorrow. 
trying to remember who we have on the docket tomorrow. We're going to talk about Florida, Mississippi State, LSU throughout the week. I can't remember who we've got tomorrow. I think it's Florida is, is what I've got planned for tomorrow. So the, it, it gets better, everybody. I promise. It's, <laughs> it's not we're not we're not talking about UMass tomorrow. There's a reason we put Vanderbilt <laughs> on Monday, guys. There's a reason. Yeah, everybody's still getting accustomed to their work week, but solid week of on the line on the way coming up. So. We appreciate everybody tuning in today. Still got a couple minutes left. Let's talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers not being at Green Bay OTAs today. What do we even believe about this situation? Because there's what Aaron Rodgers has said, and then there's the Green Bay side, which has been a little bit more quiet about the situation. Aaron Rodgers has been, look, I'm not playing in Green Bay. I will retire before I play in yellow and green next year. Do you believe that? I think I think I do because of the reaction that the coaching staff has had in response to it because they signed Blake Bortles. I believe that I know I'm not saying Blake Bortles is a guy. I'm not even saying Jordan Love's ready to be the guy yet. I'm just saying that they are preparing for that day to come because if Rodgers comes back, what's the point of having Bortles on your roster? Why don't you just go ahead and trade him off or something? There's no point in keeping him there. That's just money lost. Because Jordan Love, you drafted a replacement. Yeah, what does for that tell you about Jordan Love though? That they went out for mm, Blake Bortles. That's a good point. That's a good point. But moving forward for for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, we've talked about this on air, and I've I've been very harsh, but I'll just say this calmly: I don't think Rodgers has as much leverage as he thinks he does. Point being, they just signed Blake Bortles. They're like, okay, then, okay. Well, if that's a, that's the route that you want to go, we're going to go ahead and prepare for that day to come. We don't want you to leave, but we are prepared for you to go ahead and leave. Because, well, at the end of the day, Green Bay won't have to pay him, right? Right, right, because Rodgers is saying, well, like, oh, well, I want my GM fired, or like, oh, well, I'm not going to train my replacement. It's like, okay, well, that's a decision that this that this business has made, and you are just an employee of this business, so if you want to go elsewhere, who are you to tell higher-up management to to make adjustments? With that being said, though, I think he reached a level of value inside the organization where they probably should have handled this better. <laughs> To where it doesn't get to this point because right. as an as an employer you want to look out for your employees and look out for their best interest and hear from them as well i think right. it's good to have discourse between the two but we'll keep monitoring that and talk about that throughout the week interesting stuff going on in nfl otas that's it for another edition of on the line we'll be back tomorrow same time same place you know where to find us